I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners. Hello, humans. I am your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business. Uh, I talk with sales and HR experts, other small business owners, and anyone else that can provide you with information to clear your way to success. Uh, My guest today is Jess Garda, owner of The Cheerful Balloon. Uh, (coughs) Jess is a W&J graduate. She is a recent second place finisher at the I2E um, or in I2E at Ignite. Um, She owned a wedding and event planning business until the pandemic forced her to kind of make a few adjustments. she began the cheerful balloon uh, in her home, sometimes out of Chico. We would run into each other there, um, but quickly ran us out of space. Uh, she joined Ignite and soon was able to move on to Main Street here in Washington. Um, cheerful balloon creates eye-catching balloon decor, gifts, and uh, designer party wear. Jess, thanks for being a guest on Clearing the Way. Thanks for having me. So let's start way back. And then we'll work up to cheerful balloon and all things, uh, all things along <laughs> that line. But um, so I saw I actually it was in a post recently. Um, you grew up all over the place. Yeah, army brat. So what? Where did you? Where did you start? Where all did you live? It said I think you said in there five states, two countries. Where all yeah. did you? <laughs> where were you? Uh, so, uh, well, I was born in Fairfax, Virginia. That's where my family for the, or my mom and dad, for the most part, grew up. Okay. Um, and then from there, I've lived in South Carolina. I've lived in California. I was actually there during the, uh, earthquake, during the World Series earthquake. That's one of my earliest memories is, uh, watching everything come crashing down in our house. Great first memory. Oh, how old were you? <laughs> I was, oh, four years old or three? No, three, I would say. When, when was the... I I have no idea. Was it 90? So I was four years old. So, I mean, I have some earlier ones, but that's like my first real vivid one was like huddling in the doorway while it was all happening. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Okay. That <laughs> so there's is that. interesting. Um. Like I said, Texas, multiple places in Maryland and Virginia. We were stationed back there a lot. Okay. And then twice in Germany. Okay. Um, So two different places in Germany. And was that how... Did that stop at us? Like, was that all before a certain age or was that kind of your whole growing up? That was all throughout. So then... um, we were stationed back in Northern Virginia for my uh, junior, senior year. So I finished high school there uh, and then started looking, you know, I was looking for colleges and applied to a different places. But at the time, my aunt and uncle were living here in Washington. We would come here every Thanksgiving. Um, and huh. I just liked the place. And it was a good compromise of moving away from my parents, but still being close to family. Uh-huh. So okay. that's what brought me to W&J. Okay. So, yeah. man, that's a lot of places before college. Oh, the longest I lived anywhere before college was not even four years. So and now huh. I've been here almost 20, God, that sucks. 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So how that sounds pretty difficult, uh, especially in those like, I guess, 
Probably always. Elementary school, not as much, but like middle school and high school. Email and social media. Uh-huh. We would actually, back in the olden days when we <laughs> would write letters to each other. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was difficult to adapt and make new friends. Yeah, especially during those, like people suck. Well, not people. Kids, Kids suck, suck during those ages. <laughs> I mean, Middle brutal. school especially, yeah. yes. Yeah. Middle that. school, especially because I, middle school is when I moved to, to Texas. And that was one of the first elementary schools that wasn't a DOD school. So civilians were there too. So they, you know, uh, some people who had lived there all their lives. Uh-huh. And I was the new girl oh. who just moved back from Germany. Uh. And we're talking middle schoolers. So I was called a lot of names associated with having lived in Germany. Uh-huh. Uh, it was rough. It was rough. That's, yeah, that doesn't sound that fun. No. That <laughs> does not sound fun. <laughs> okay. So all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so let's start with like, what kind of a student were you? And then I've got a bunch of other questions. Like the moving thing is just, <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of yeah issues there or challenges or whatever you want to call them but i'm sure there was some stuff but how were you in school what were you interested in oh i was uh definitely socially below the radar like i'd sit with the first person who would invite me and you were my new best friend like it was just like go go with the flow school was definitely i was book smart Uh so i was definitely i was uh (laughs) <laughs> the gift the, the burnt out gifted and talented student that was me okay um so overachiever straight a's yeah pissed if i didn't get the straight a's uh-huh. uh, it really wasn't until college that quite honestly i started slacking off but. okay <laughs> uh, all right um sorry professors um <laughs> uh, but yeah i was definitely um I don't know. It just studying and testing, especially, just came naturally to me, so I enjoyed it. Okay. Were you? Were there any subjects in particular that you were interested in? Math. I was actually a mathlete. Okay. So I would compete. Huh. Which was also in middle school. Okay. <laughs> okay. So math was more the ammo thing. there. Yes, math was was a big thing for me. I liked the puzzle of it because so what we would do oh, as math leaks, okay. we take the speed tests where you were given a hundred questions and you could see how fast you can answer them in a certain amount of time, uh-huh. and you learned all of these tricks and shortcuts and huh. mnemonics to help you memorize. Yeah. How to do it in the fastest way. Okay. Um, huh. And so I liked that. I liked figuring out the puzzle of being the most efficient with answering uh-huh. everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That is a, like a, a kind of a, not a weird way to think about it, but mm-hmm. like a much different thought uh, of math than, yeah. I guess, maybe what like I would think of it. <laughs> um, that's cool. Uh, any other um, like activities or anything? I guess theater probably. was a big thing for me, especially later on. Okay. That seemed to be the first crowd. Uh, like the, that seemed to be the first group of kids who were very quick to bring you in okay. and come join us and come try out for this. Um, so um, I wasn't very athletic or coordinated. So sports kind of intimidated me. Uh-huh. Um and it was hard to get in as the new kid. Yeah. But for, for me, the arts, the performance arts, it got me out of my shell. 
I could kind of just pretend to be someone else and uh-huh. not be so insecure. And that actually carried on to WNJ. I actually double majored in psychology and theater there. Okay. So that How was early did you start that? I started that in um like towards the very end of middle school. Cause I was okay. also part of it was I was an Odyssey of the Mind, so that I had like an acting component to it. Okay. But then in high school especially is huh. when I was in every single play. Okay. In one way or another. That was my activity. That was my group of friends. I was full on the theater kid. Okay. So I guess if did you move at all in high school? Or were you I did. Um, it, I my the school where I graduated from, I started there in 10th grade. OK. Yeah. And because the credits were weird and some didn't transfer in 10th grade, I was still taking a lot of ninth grade classes. So uh, most of my friends were younger than me. OK. Well, at least at that point, you had a thing yeah. that you could kind of like, that's your way into the new friends. Because mm-hmm. before that, like, if you're not sports, at least for me, they were always the thing. It's like, you've got something. I've got yeah. something in common with somebody or good. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, if you don't have a ton of activities until you find that, it's like, yeah. I have to actually make friends <laughs> Just like with middle schoolers, like the worst type of kids. Right. Um, okay. Okay, so good student, um, into math, into theater. Um, was there? Okay, okay, all good there. Yeah. Um, did you know what you? Okay, say psychology and uh, dual major where, in psychology and theater. Yeah. That. Okay. What did you plan on doing? <laughs> I wanted. That is such a strange combination so, of things. I didn't intend to major in theater. I just so happened to have okay. the credits because okay. I enjoyed okay. it so much. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Okay. I went to study psychology. Um, I wanted to be a therapist or a social worker. Um, Where did that – how early did you figure that out? I think somewhere in high school, honestly, is it was like because I was the therapist of my friend group in a lot of ways. Huh. And um, – and also, quite honestly, those with uh, family drama tend to go in psych- – like, there's yeah. there's some idiom about, like, the students who study psychology or trying to figure out their own family. There's definitely some truth in that, too. Okay. <laughs> huh. Um, but, yeah, and, and also there's the component to theater. You're always trying to suss out a character's motivation. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing this? You know, who are they? Yeah. So that kind of went perfectly hand in hand huh. with psychology. Okay. Yeah. I guess that does actually make sense. That makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense than um okay. When did did that cha- like did your okay, so you graduated double Right. And when I ended up with double major, I was trying to think of like how could I use both because I really did love the arts, the yeah. performing arts. So I ended up going into um um, arts administration. So I was a nonprofit, or I was a fundraiser for nonprofit theaters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I spent about 10 years with Pittsburgh Public Theater, actually. Okay. And so that's how I got into events because when you're doing fundraising, uh-huh. you're planning donor parties and galas. Okay. So it just kind of grew from crunching data into that. At what point was that just something that you discovered after you graduated or was that like you you found that as a path early on? Like 
How, it's something like I didn't a... learn about until like towards the very end, like right before I graduated, because uh-huh. I honestly wasn't even sure what I was going to do. Yeah. Uh, I had given myself just kind of like six months to figure it, like, you know, a while yeah. to figure it out because I knew I didn't want to go get a master's in psychology. Um, I just realized that like the therapist route was not going to be Somewhere along the way, I realized that wasn't the fit for me. And also, I realized that I was way too much in debt with tuition. (laughs) So a master's wasn't going to work. What about the therapist route didn't, like, what did you discover there that wasn't, or either about you or about the career path that that wasn't jiving? I realized I couldn't be an impartial person. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I realized that there's just a certain bedside manner and uh, uh, composure to being a therapist that was not my strong suit. Um, huh. And also just, I was totally okay with saying, yeah, that's just not me. Yeah. Let's figure out something else. How late um, or early did you did you realize that? About halfway through, I think. Oh, yikes. About halfway through. But I still studied it because I enjoyed the topic. I think uh, about halfway through college, I kind of got a little lost there. And I realized that I wasn't, like, I wasn't studying this stuff with a career in mind. I was studying it just because I enjoyed it. And I was like, well, I'll I'll figure out a career later. Was there any (laughs) thought of changing majors? I didn't know to what. So I just figured. Okay. Right. Huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That is, yeah, mm-hmm. especially that late in, because it's it, like halfway through. And if you don't know what that other thing would right. be, it's like, yeah, I guess just finish in the thing that you're actually interested in mm-hmm. rather than restarting. Like, so, that doesn't sound good. And then when I graduated, I actually... I knew I, I was starting to think because, like, I was thinking I could work for a theater. I don't want to mm-hmm. be an actor, but I could. There's still staff yeah. Yeah. and administration that's involved. Um, and it wasn't until really that I met my now husband, where I learned that about arts administration and programs are out there, only because he had mentioned his ex girlfriend was studying it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, so that's how it was that a great happened. idea. It was a good idea. It doesn't matter who it came from. It was a good idea. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I that's how I ended up on the path for, at least for event planning. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, okay, so that you find out kind of late in in college through college were still good student you said st- you mentioned you started to kind of slack off a little bit but a not, little, not like mainly seriously. just because of like family problems i think that hit me hard and then when i got lost and realized that i didn't really have a clear path of where i was going okay um and it may have been part of it quite honestly because during school age you know as we do a lot of self-discovery i wasn't doing a lot of self-discovery in school, I was keeping my head down, trying to catch up, trying to adapt to a new mm-hmm. environment, trying to fit in. Yeah. Not really worried about who I was, trying to figure out who they wanted me to be. Uh-huh. So I really was late, a late bloomer as far as discovering who I was, what my strengths were, and what I wanted to do in life. I mean, even as late yeah. as like, look how late 
into the game, I've started the cheerful balloon. I mean, yeah. it, it just took a while. Yeah, but maybe you were late. But, I mean, right. But like, <laughs> who's, even who's time if you're frame? not moving, like, yeah, it's like, A, whose time frame? But even if you're not moving around, I feel like high school and middle school kids, that's all they're doing anyways. True, like yours yeah. is amplified a little bit because you're the new kid. Mm -hmm. But like, I didn't know a lot of high schoolers or middle schoolers are like, yeah, I'm pretty secure in myself. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, I know exactly who uh -huh. I'm like, No, we're all just trying to be who everybody else wants us to be because that's how you get to be cool. Or yeah. That's how you get friends or whatever. So it's like, <laughs> sure, maybe you, it, yours was a little amplified. But, I mean, not by, and I feel like even college, probably a lot of the same so maybe you were actually ahead of the game yeah like, i don't know maybe <laughs> finally, i don't know maybe you know, it was just like, my own harsh self-judgment yeah. i just felt like everyone else had to figure it out and i was just floating along but yeah yeah <laughs> uh, okay so you figure out therapist isn't for you was that like how did you how did you figure out that you couldn't be impartial there like what was was it just that, like, self-reflection, that trying to figure yourself yeah, out? That, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of just realized okay. it never was me. Like, huh. um, okay. I think I've misinterpreted my own desire to um, help people. And there's different ways to do it, uh -huh. but I'm more of an active person person yeah. in that well and it's different when you're like you mentioned you were kind of the therapist for your friends it's a lot different with your friends than a random exactly. person exactly exactly like it's easy to be completely invested in and, mm -hmm. and it's less um it's less of an issue for you to offer advice or actions or whatever when it's your friends right. and if that's the thing that was drawing you to it it's like well this can't work as a job. <laughs> uh -huh. a, I, I just don't have the desire to help as much as I thought. And mm -hmm. I can't be impartial, like right. probably a good choice. Um, and I can't like separate myself. Like mm -hmm. if I'm around someone who's upset, I'm going to feel upset for them. And I yeah. just realize if I'm doing that day in, day out, that's, well, that's just not going to be good. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, okay. So you discover this new, uh, this new thing at least new to you mm -hmm. um did you get a job right away were were you specifically looking for that or like what uh, was that yeah I it started school? as um I did do a arts administration program through George Mason and halfway through got an internship at Pittsburgh Public Theater okay um and it was just right place right time it just so happened that their entry-level person had moved on and they were looking to fill it. Perfect. So I took that on um, and was hired hired at the end of my internship. Okay. So what mm -hmm. were you, what did that job look like? What were you actually doing? That was mainly um, entering in gifts, like donations, mm -hmm. overseeing the mailings, making sure that their listing, the donor listing and acknowledgement was correct wherever it appeared okay. it was a lot of systems management data work and how mail merges all the mail merges how did you like how was that for you as a like I was as tasks fine with that you okay. know i i again it was 
I, kind of a I love a good it. puzzle. Uh-huh. I love a good puzzle. And this was another aspect of it. I was like, put me into the system. I'm going to figure it out. And we're going to figure out how to make the most of this database and the system uh-huh. we have. And, um, you know, I, I there was still the psychology aspect of it, too, because as, you know, as I got that under uh-huh. control and it took me less time to do it, I, it opened up time for me to help with writing the letter so then it's the psychology of what motivates mm. people to give you know what's how that's how is that going to work or or finding the benefits that people are actually going to enjoy at giving certain levels yeah so did the was there any like i so i i have a thought on this but <laughs> i'll ask it first was was there a piece that were you missing the creativity or were you kind of getting the creativity? Like, it almost seems like for you, the you can almost trick yourself into, like, the the ability to try to f- think of creative ways to solve these puzzles. Right. That kind of gives you the creativity outlet that you maybe weren't getting with the theater. Right. And, I mean, I was still in the realm of creativity. I was uh-huh. still around creative people. And at that time, early on, you know, it was before I had kids, I was still very much involved with the Whiskey Rebellion Festival mm. and other smaller theaters. Um, so I was still doing readings. Yeah. You know, I was still on stage okay. or, or doing the reenactments. So because I had more disposable time, because this was before kids— I was still able to find creativity in other ways. And then as my job grew at the theater and I was helping to plan events, that was another creative outlet for me that I really enjoyed. Okay. And how long did it take for you to get to the point where you, like, okay, so A, how long did it take to get you to the the event planning or whatever that looked Mm -hmm. like at first? And how did that happen? Like, was it just you starting to take on more and more and more and then that was the next thing? Or, like, how did that come about? Pretty much. It, it was kind of an organic growth. Was like, as I was still always the uh, lower rung of the four people in the development, but that rung got higher and higher mm-hmm. as, like, I got promotions, name changes, more tasks, yeah. raises, interns who answered to me. So I could pass on some of my easier tasks yeah. onto the intern sort of okay. thing and working more hand in hand with um, the corporate requests, the foundation requests. So I was a, still very much a support person, but I had my hand in a lot of different, you know, my hand in a lot of yeah. pies or however you say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and wanting to do more and more challenging things as a result of that. Were you throughout like throughout school and everything were you more introverted or like how okay definitely okay Um, so was the event planning like to me that seems like something that somebody more extroverted would either be into or like not exactly because day of the event I don't have to socialize with anyone. I'm not sitting like I'm okay. running things. I yeah. was essentially I was essentially the backstage and stage manager for these events. Okay. So I didn't have to worry too much about the social aspects, which gave me the most anxiety. I had to make sure that everything happened on time. 
exactly okay. when and where and everything was in place. Okay. I had fixable, solid, concrete problems and answers. <laughs> okay. Okay. That that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Um, but then there was also the artistic, visual yeah. aesthetics of it too. Yeah. Um, which I very much, um, a lot of that was under the the vision of Ted Pappas, who was the artistic director at the time, and Gary Weiss, who was my boss. Like they took over a big role of that, but then slowly I got to give my input as well, which was always nice too. Okay. Okay. So. Okay, then yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. So um so you start that did you immediately were once you started the event planning, was that something that you were immediately like, I'm into this? Yes. Okay. And it came at a time when pretty much all my friends and coworkers were getting married. Perfect. And then I got engaged. So there was a lot of me planning my own wedding. Uh-huh. But then my other friends who say, hey, I need some help. You know how to plan events. So I started to help them and coordinate okay. their weddings. Um, and that's when I thought, hey, I can just start my own side business. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of people start their wedding, like a wedding planning business that way. They plan their own wedding. And then so yeah. it, it was kind of the same vibe. Yeah. So then I just started um, – it was it was after Abby, my oldest, was born. So I started doing that in conjunction with working at the public theater, but then slowly went down to like part-time with public theater and more the event planning as we were trying to juggle family life. So okay. Demands on time were it was a big yeah. factor in all of that. How quick okay, so was the did you start doing or did you drop down to f- part time to do more of the event planning or was it? It was a little bit to do more of the event planning, but also to do that at home with my daughter. OK. And have more time at home. OK. Yeah. And it was to have a little more control over my time because that job was far more than a 40 hour uh-huh. job and it was in Pittsburgh so there was the commute yeah. so it's just I was hardly able to spend yeah. much time okay and okay so up to that point was there any I mean it didn't seem like it based on all of the things that you had been interested in up to that mm-hmm. point but like was running a business did any of your family have any of that did no. it was okay so you were starting from scratch yes did you have any idea what what the hell you were getting into, oh, what the hell you were no. doing. Was it just like... <laughs> I still don't, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. None of us still. Um, no, I had no idea. I had no idea. And quite honestly, I don't think I fully envisioned it being a full business. Mm-hmm. I think I was still seeing it in the eyes of like a side gig, something to bring in money, a means to an end. Someone, Something to bring in some money while I... Was home with my girls. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But then as things got busier and... Well, so how quickly, like, okay, so you start doing it and then eventually, sure, you did it to get more mm-hmm. time with your daughter, but but you had to have been doing it enough to... Like, that that was a, even an option. Right. You know, like, so how quickly did that happen? Um, 
Well, from, part of it, too, was thankfully uh, a very supportive husband who had the income to support both of us, too. Because okay. we definitely took a cut. Yeah. Um, definitely took a cut. But, I mean, over the course of – so that was 2016 when I started Jessica Garda Events. Um, and I think over the next two years, really, is where it ramped up. Okay. And that third year, 2019, is when I really was like, okay, hit the ground running, full on. We're going to, like, brand. We're going to uh-huh. go out there. You know, I'd already had the networking together. Um, and, you know, I was ready to hit the ground running uh-huh. with a full-time <laughs> business. Okay. Um, I, at that time, I was no longer working at public theater. I was working at Trax Farms. Well, I was working at Trax Farms, and then I was working with Pennsylvania Trolley Museum. There we go. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, and then I was like, you know what? We're going to go full force into growing this business. And that decision was made in February of 2020. <laughs> Wonderful timing. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you, what led to, like, obviously you saw some some vision there. Like, this could work. Yeah. How was the decision um how did you come to the decision of, yes, let's let's try to do this full time and no more of these other things? Like, what was how did you think through that? Well, I think part of it was trying to find a balance again with family life, because uh-huh. if I was going to be spending all these week or these Saturday nights, all these weekends mm-hmm. working away, you know, I wanted to find something yeah. during the week to be with my girls. So part of it was, again, just trying to find a balance. Yeah. Which is never going to happen, but we always seek it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it, it really was just, I found a passion for events. I joined it. I found something that, like, sparked joy uh-huh. in me. Um, I saw, a, you know, I, I found kind of my niche with my the kind of couples that, I liked to work with that yeah. set me apart from other planners, I felt. So I I saw an opportunity and, and was growing it. Huh. Did you were you mainly doing weddings? Yes. Okay. Yes, I was. Okay. Um and was there any like so with your background of kind of the I guess that is like not charity events, but kind of like that. With so the I was events. I was doing some nonprofit event planning too. Yes, okay. it was mainly weddings that I was doing, but I was still doing some freelance, um, nonprofit event planning, okay. and I had plans to break into some of the corporate events too. Okay, okay. Um, we well, know how that went. We know how plans work. Yeah, uh, especially okay. in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, okay, so you decide you're going full time there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, beside the timing, like oh, nothing you can do about that, right? Um, was there with the running of that business? So, like, mm-hmm. you decide up to that point, you were in this. Um, I'm doing this as a side hustle. I'm doing this as a oh thing yeah, to- I was running that business all wrong. Okay. Like, especially now with everything I've learned with Cheerful Balloon, uh-huh. I was doing nothing right with that business. Okay, so let's talk about that now. <laughs> so what, like, what are some of those things that you realize now that are like, this was way off? Oh, man. I, I mean, like, 
I should have established an LLC. I didn't do that until much later. Okay. Um, okay. And I actually, I mean, I finally did again in February of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is when I established well, my LLC. <laughs> at that point, were you working but, mostly with friends and and, and well, no, I was doing other things too. So I was still okay. like sole proprietorship, DBA, like all of that good stuff. So I mean, it wasn't terrible, but like, okay, I wasn't really thinking about my strategy too much. I was going from one job to a next. I so I didn't have a formal strategy. I was um all over the place with the finances. Uh-huh. I didn't well, have a special a separate bank account for that. So okay. it was like all in the personal account. Okay. Yeah. I just there's just all these things that I didn't even know I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well it's that like until I started to get serious about it. Until I made the decision that this is going to be a business and um, not the freelancer. And not the freelancing. And that's when I realized just how much needed to be done. But then I hit the point of like, well, what's the point of even doing it if you can't have events right now? Yeah. Well, okay. So you realize like how did you what was your okay. So you make the switch. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this as a job. Or as a, not as a job, but as a, yeah. I'm doing this as a business. I'm not a freelancer mm-hmm. anymore. When, when you make that decision, A, was there something, like obviously you wanted to do it full time now, but was there something that triggered the, because you could still want to do it full time and still be thinking about it as a freelancer. Right. Was there something that like pushed you over the edge to, oh, I need to be taking this, a, not more seriously, but thinking about this as a business, like how did you get to that point? Well, again, I think it was I mean, going back to the balancing. I, I realized that if I was going to be profitable with it, I needed to take on more events. But there was a certain threshold that I was willing to take on personally at that time. So my thought was if I'm going to grow and take on more events, I need more support staff. Okay. Or even day of, like I can't be doing day of wedding with just me, I should be having another assistant with me just in case things yeah. go sideways and we need more people on site. Um, so the moment you start thinking about bringing other people onto a team, you can't, as far as I'm concerned, you can't see yourself as a freelancer anymore yeah. because it's not just you. Yeah. It's a team you've got to take care of. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you need a solid foundation to your business. Yeah. To make that happen. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I'm doing that all over again now with Cheerful Balloon. I'm I'm taking a good, hard look at this foundation that I've set because I've reached that point yet again where uh-huh. it can't just be me. But I, I, I need to know that whoever I bring on is going to feel secure in the job, like they know what's going on because I know what's going on, that yeah. everything legally and financially and et cetera is taken care of. Um, just getting my shit together. Yeah. So, okay. So that is kind of the catalyst for taking the event planning more seriously. Right. What were those steps? Oh, so obviously everything went to shit. Yeah. Quickly. but Yeah. What were you doing? Like, what were your first steps there? So, okay, time to take this. Like, here's the here's the problem. Here's the way to solve this right, problem. Right. Need to take it more seriously. Mm-hmm. Then what? Like, what did you? How? What were your? What was your approach to freelancer to business? It was getting all my legal documents in order, filed an LLC, 
got opened up a bank account, got the insurance together. Those were the first big three to make sure everything was set, made sure I was like, there wasn't any other permits or regulations or anything that was going to impact my business. Yeah. Um, I mean, I already had like the website and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, all the sexy stuff. All the sexy stuff. Yeah. So it was that. Yeah. It was, it was, all right, well, if I'm going to see this as sustainable, how much money do I need to take in? And what am I spending now? What's my overhead? Do I have a good CRM in place? Is there any other software that I need? Um, it was doing some professional development. So I signed up for a few courses with other wedding planners who in the country who are reputable and like doing a kind of a mentorship program just to, again, kind of make sure on the business end that I was thinking about, you know, how how are you positioning yourself? Yeah. Did you, before you had gotten that, like the mentor, was there any other guidance that like, Obviously, you have the internet, so that's right. a great place to start. But what, was there anybody or anything that you were kind of using as your guiding, like, okay, I'm going here for the information, and this mm-hmm. is – I know that these are the the first three or four things that need to happen. Networking was a big thing. I mean, as you start planning events, you're meeting other vendors and therefore other wedding planners. Mm-hmm. And so it was just sitting down and having lunch or coffee with them, getting to know them. We worked out a great, you know, network there. Uh, in Pittsburgh, there's a, it's a blog called Berg Brides. Victoria runs it. And she's built a great community of event planners and wedding vendors of all types. And so having that network was great to pick brains and ask, okay. Hey, how are you doing this? And, and what about this? Um, and also, you know, my former boss at Public Theater, because she had so many years of event planning experience. So I really, you know, trusted her advice when I was first starting out. And I mean, I really valued her her guidance and getting started there. Okay, that is yeah. helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that good network, um, it's nice that everyone or at least a lot of people were um, kind of open to help there, I feel like. Oh, the events industry in the Pittsburgh area is just fantastic. That's cool. I mean, it's a great community of people, business owners. And especially, I think, when the pandemic hit, they just got stronger. Okay, that's cool. Because that Mm -hmm. is something, uh, obviously, like, nobody has work at that point. So that could, that can go one, it can go that way where it's like, okay, cool. We're like, how are we going to figure this out? Or... Everyone is just against each other. It was the community over competition, too. That's cool. To a T. I mean, I remember joining, like, I, it was a Facebook chat with five other wedding planners um, when it first started. And we were giving each other updates about, like, here's the latest registration uh-huh. here, or regulations. Here's what you got to worry about. Uh, we pulled our resources to make a spreadsheet of all the venues and what the different mm-hmm. guidelines were when things were opening back up. Uh, you know, if someone was overwhelmed with ha- trying to reach out and cancel this, someone else would say, hey, I've got some time. I'll That's make some cool. calls for you. They That's were really cool. uh, just an amazing group of women. That's cool. Um that's that's like it's nice to hear that. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. This episode is brought to you by the City of Washington Citywide Development Corporation. Uh, if you're a small business in Washington and you need another set of eyes on your situation, or 
Uh, you need help growing. You're not sure what's going on with the business. You can't figure out how to get out of the uh, the current struggles you're going through. Um, you're just looking for ways to become a little bit more efficient. Um, anything else like that. Um, or if you don't know where to go next, you don't know who to find to fix whatever the problem is, reach out. Um, the uh, WCDC is a free resource. Uh, we're here to help. The links are down below. Um, reach out. Like I said, it's a free resource. Now back to the episode. That goes to shit. <laughs> goes to shit. How long did it take before you started looking for... Well, actually, were you looking to replace that or did it just kind of happen? It just kind of happened. Okay. So it's not like I was like, well, screw this on to the next thing. I mean, yeah. I was still working with my couples to help them find new alternatives mm-hmm. uh, or postpone or just straight cancel. Um, I was trying to find different ways to bring in revenue, whether it was like making workbooks that people could mm-hmm. uh, purchase, that sort of thing. And then slowly as things were opening back up, I was still planning weddings up until um, 2021 okay. was my last wedding. So I was still, but just very in- intermittently. Yeah. And after a point, I stopped taking on more clients. I was like, I'll just work with the ones I have. Yeah. I wasn't getting very many inquiries and new business because nobody knew what the hell was going to happen. Okay. Um, so the balloon thing, honestly, was just me at the very first. It was just I bought a hand pump and some twisting balloons off of Amazon because uh, Abby, my daughter, saw something on TV about balloon animals. And she's like, can we make those? And I said, okay, I'll buy this. And <laughs> and, oh and seriously, okay. it was just like, we'll figure this out. We'll look up tutorials. She kept telling me different things to make and I'd figure it out. Um, again, it was a puzzle. Uh-huh. It was a, it was a fun little personal challenge of she just like, can you make me a butterfly? Can you make me a crown? Can you make me a flower? Can you make me twilight sparkle from my little pony? <laughs> they got more and more absurd uh-huh. and I kept making them. Be- that is such a wild way to say. <laughs> well, and then her thanks, birthday, <laughs> right? Yeah, it really, it, I tell her this all the time. She's the reason that this all started because she just like, we were having fun with it yeah. and it was making them smile. And as I started sharing pictures on Facebook, other people were commenting, this is so cool. It's uh-huh. fun. Um, and then her birthday came around and, and we found ourselves in the position that pretty much every family was in where you can't have friends over. Mm-hmm. You can't really have anyone over. So it's not much of a party, right? So I just bought one of those balloon garland kits off of Amazon again and just started decorating the house for her birthday, just covering it with balloons. And that's when I I started having people say, can I just pay you, you know, 50 bucks to make one and just deliver it to my doorstep. So I started doing the contact free Uh delivery sort of route. Huh? Yeah, that's how that all happened. Okay. (laughs) It is not, it was with no intention whatsoever. Okay. It was a creative outlet in a time where I wasn't getting it because there uh weren't any events. Okay. Okay. So how long, like, 
at what point did you decide or, or not decide realize that this is like maybe something like obviously you got a couple people asking for things right but like w- when that started to happen did you think oh this could be this could be a replacement or did that still that still wasn't even a question like you were still all in on events whatever it wasn't they a replacement again. but it was a the new side <laughs> Not even new side. So in doing, I did a little market research this go around and came across uh, an event planning business in Canada who their pivot was they were still planning events, like they were still an event planning company, Uh but they started offering balloon services. So it was just like another service to the same company. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And so I thought, well, okay, so this is something that I could phase in to get some money in for right now. And then when events pick back up, I'll probably just phase it back out because mm-hmm. I'm still just one person. I can't do all of it, yeah. you know? So I, was just, so I still offered balloons under Jessica Garda events and started, you know, I think that really started in some sort of official posting it on the website and taking money for it through the business in like, November, December of 2020. So I did a lot of like holiday arrangements. Okay. Um, New Year's Eve was a big one where I did like the pop the balloon and the balloons uh-huh. come down because everyone was at home. Yeah. Um, so that really was, you know, it took a few months for me to be officially like I'm doing this as part of the yeah. business. Okay. Okay. So, huh. Okay, so when did you decide that that needed to be – okay, so I, did you decide that it needed to be something different or did Jess Garda events just kind of stop? Once I realized when events started opening back up, I was getting far more inquiries for balloons than I was for planning. Huh. And at that time, I was doing other special initiatives, like for um, in 21, February of 21, I worked with Asbury Heights to um, for all of the seniors who were on lockdown, um, or senior citizens who were on mm-hmm. lockdown, we um, gave them all little balloon bears. So I did like a, you know, spon- sponsor a grandparent is what uh-huh. we call it, I think. Okay. So it's like, give me $25, we'll send them a, bal- a balloon. So okay. we did that for, I think it was well over, well over 100 residents we ended up doing that for. Okay. Um, Which is how I got kind of my first little bit of media coverage because that was in the OR. Uh-huh. And because of that, I started getting all of these requests for balloons. Okay. So, okay, so you're getting more requests for that than mm-hmm. you are events. Yes. How did you, like... And the planning events was just still so difficult. Okay. And changing on a whim. And I was just, I was burnt out from that. I was, okay. like, the joy was gone from that. Oh, that sucks. Okay. Yeah. Okay, then that makes that decision easier. Because right? I imagine, like, a first thought was you've got more requests for balloons, but I'm sure the the price tag on the events is way higher. So mm-hmm. it's like, even if those aren't, even if you're getting more over here, it seems like you need a lot more of these to, to meet, match one of these. Right. But if that love for this thing has kind of been destroyed, mm-hmm. at least 
for the time being, like, yeah, just let's get away from this thing that's causing me so much heartache and so much just like frustration, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And at any point did you like, okay, so maybe this is jumping ahead, but it doesn't matter. Um, At any point, did you come back to events or want to go back to events? Like, no, I think once, especially once the numbers kind of reinforced, you know, what I was feeling about events versus balloons, yeah. you know, uh, I think it was kind of easy for me to say, okay, we're going to phase this out. Um, and so I, I stopped taking on new wedding planning clients. I finished off, you know, yeah. my last, my last one. And I think in, uh, was it, it was April 12th. Of 2021 is when I, cause I looked this up on my, inst, my old Instagram uh-huh. cause it's still up from Jessica Garda events uh-huh. is where I said, you know, it's not goodbye, but it's a new chapter. Yeah. Go follow me on the cheerful balloon for all of my existing couples. We've already talked. I will still be planning your wedding, but I won't be like, I'm, yeah. I officially stated that I'm not taking any new ones. Yeah. Um, and phase that out. And there hasn't been any like real desire to can like to get back into that from, from I you get or? that fix occasionally because I still have planner friends who occasionally need a day of assistance okay. and whatnot. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you still get, it's you still that, get a still that great network of people because yeah. I have a few friends who I will help them day of assist on their weddings and they'll come and help me on an install some days. So we trade okay. work with each other. So I still get that little fix. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Um, Okay, so in transitioning to Cheerful Balloon, you learned a lot from switching from um, from freelancer to more of the full-time with the events. Mm-hmm. But that kind of got... Well, how quickly did you shut down that? Not shut down. Obviously, we just talked about how, yeah. how long it took for you to actually shut down the Well, the on business, paper, but- quite honestly, the Cheerful Balloon LLC did not exist until a few... Of like until last year, because yeah. I was still Jessica Garda Events LLC DBA, mm. the cheerful balloon. Well, so there was a whole like legal structure kind of yeah. uh, transition that had to happen. So when did, how far along in the, you had switched at least your mind to mm-hmm. I'm doing this as a business. How far into that did you get before you stopped taking that seriously, and then? Did that just transition over into, okay, now we're, this can all just be translated into Cheerful Balloon? Like, I don't, honestly, I'm not quite sure. Like, I I don't think I can pinpoint a certain time. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. So as you transition now again into, okay, freelancer business, now business is now Cheerful Balloon. Along that, we've talked about, like, you've learned a ton just in that transition. Um, the account, the, not the accounting, the, the legal structure of it, all of that getting, I guess the accounting too, um, getting your bank accounts, right. We, we talked about some of that stuff. That Mm -hmm. stuff is like a lot of the, um, maybe the logistical things are like just the, the structural things that need to happen. Was there anything else that, that came up as you're transitioning there that, um, that were hurdles that you didn't necessarily see 
or plan for or or anything like that. Like you're doing this new thing full time. You're kind of selling products now, not services. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to run a wedding planning business out of your home. Not so easy with the balloon business. Yeah. Not so easy when you're constantly filling up your downstairs basement, your garage, <laughs> everything with product. And balloons. Running pumps, noisy pumps throughout the night. Um, it it was uh, very uh, tiring on the family and on the home. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that's when Ignite came into play. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It was just getting to be too much. I mean, at first we were okay with me doing it because mm-hmm. our downstairs is where the guests stay. And at that time, guests really couldn't stay with us because yeah. COVID. But after a while, we're like, no, we, we need to get our house back. And for me personally, it's easier for me to shift out of a home mindset versus a work mindset uh-huh. if I have yeah. an actual physical yeah. change in space. Um, I just I, I realized that as I started working more, uh, which is why I would go to Chico so much uh-huh. when I was a wedding planner. <laughs> yeah. Um, or if I have to do emails. Yeah. Like it was just easier that way. Um so yeah, Ignite came into play because uh, you know if I didn't need a full blown warehouse or anything, I just needed a few square feet outside of the house where I could store all all the inventory, but then also fabricate everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So up when you're doing the events, was there you didn't have any you didn't have anything to to keep no. like okay so was there like the learning or the switching from service base to actually having to keep inventory and all of that. How was that? That seems like I'm sure you've got some people that you're kind of f- reaching out to to figure out how the hell to actually do that. But right. like that seems kind of challenging to switch between I don't have to worry about anything except probably a computer mm-hmm. and a phone to now, oh, I have product that I need f- to fulfill yeah, these orders. You're like and- researching balloon brands and equipment and best practices and there's only so much again you you can definitely learn on youtube but um everyone has a different way of doing things too Uh so it's great that youtube is out there and you can learn so many different skills but if you're trying to pursue one particular skill There has to be a certain point where you say enough with the YouTube because you're going to learn so many different ways Mm -hmm. that contradict. You just finally have to stick with one and say, this is how I'm going to do it. I don't care what so-and-so, how so-and-so does it. Uh Uh, You have to just say, okay, this is, this is how I'm (laughs) going to go about it and make it, make up your damn mind. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) you know, like after a while I was like, okay, enough with the YouTube. I'm just going to have to just, I know enough to get me started. I need to figure out my own way. I know the resources now, like I've Googled balloon wholesalers. Uh I know the brand out there. So now I just have to decide which ones I like and I prefer. Yeah. Um, and just go from there. Like, I mean, it's great to look and see what the experts and the industry leaders are doing. Yeah. But in the end, your business is you. Yeah. So you really have to go with what works for you. Yeah. Well, and you can, like, you, like, you can research 
all day. Oh, yeah. And keep researching. And it becomes and a way research. of procrastination. Because, uh-huh. like, no, you just got to make up a damn – Yeah. To make a damn decision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you kind of go through that. How how was, like, determining where you're going to buy things? Did you have to test a bunch of – like, how, how did you go about – how, yeah, how did you go about all that? <laughs> uh, it really was. Um, well, so now I keep a standard inventory. I've uh-huh. decided the colors that and brands that I I work best for me that I prefer that I can like stand by their quality. I've looked at what people have ordered and what are the most popular requests and color schemes. Mm-hmm. But starting out, it really would have to be just wait for the inquiry to come in, see what they want, and be like, okay. I have to look up heart balloons. Where do I get heart balloons? Okay, you want this. Okay, I have to look this up. Okay. You okay. know, just like <laughs> it okay. really was on the fly, yeah. tailoring what I purchased to what was being requested, letting the demand kind of dictate the supply. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Yeah, that makes, I mean. Which made it hard to plan ahead. I couldn't take a lot of like last minute things because uh, you had to have time for shipping and all yeah. of that. Yeah, well, and I'm sure your pricing isn't as good either when you're doing it that way because you're buying small amounts of everything. Right. Um, Actually, it was kind of kind of worse because I was getting small orders for like five foot garlands, but those have four different colors oh. and three different sizes. Oh, yeah. So, and they come <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a yeah. bag of like a hundred balloons. So, really, if you look at Mm. You know, what you spent on the supplies for that particular garland may not have been much, but really Uh what you ended up buying because you had to buy a bag of 100 balloons times three sizes times four colors. (laughs) So it was a lot of upfront costs, definitely, more going out than in. Yeah. Okay. That is difficult. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that... That's when I realized I was going to at least start with, like, your standard Roy G. Biv colors, your rainbow colors, and mm-hmm. a few specialty ones. That's when I decided, okay, I'll start with a standard stock. Okay. And purchase all of those so that I can just accommodate that. Yeah. Okay. That helped, I'm that sure. That did help. Yes. Okay. Okay. And at that point, all of your... What what types of customers were you working with? A lot of, like, what were you doing? At first, it was a lot of fam- family and friends. Okay. Or friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, people on Facebook, my friends on Facebook would share my work, uh-huh. and then their friend would reach, their Facebook friend would reach out to me. Yeah. As events started to open back up, it was really wonderful to have that friendship and that community of the events mm, yeah. industry. Yeah. Because they... Gave me their full support. It was just wonderful. That's... The recommendations, the referrals that got sent my way. Um, so that that was kind of a big boost mm-hmm. too. Okay. Um, okay. So you've got inventory not figured out, but you're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, you're out of your home. That probably helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you... We'll say I I feel confident in saying that quickly move out of Ignite, right? How and that's a big part thanks to Ignite. Yeah, uh, like I I 
And as I'm talking about the events industry, it's making me realize too, like another huge thing was the community here in Washington, mm -hmm. like having those yeah. connections. Because the moment I was part of the Ignite group, you know, they started, you know, sharing my mm -hmm. company and introducing me to other companies that worked with them. I got a number of corporate jobs yeah. through my connection with Ignite. So it having that community is everything. Yeah. How did you, how, like, what led to being able, or real, like, okay, so you, it's time to move out. How did you, how did you figure out that you needed more space or that you could afford to move out? How, how did you take that next step? Like, how did you know that you were actually ready for that? Or did you just not know? It was just like, maybe I knew what wasn't working for as much as I loved being at Ignite. The actual space was um, not the perfect temperature and climate for the balloons. So I was starting okay. to compromise my inventory. Okay. So I okay. knew I, and I didn't realize that until we hit the summer months, like the, the warmer mm -hmm. months. And I just realized that that just wasn't going to be yeah. um, sustainable. Okay. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I got to figure out what my other options would be. Also, I was growing out of that space too. Mm -hmm. I couldn't contain everything in my little yeah. space. Yeah. So by that time, it was like, so if I do stick here at Ignite, I have to lease more space. Mm -hmm. And at that point, would I be paying for that? I could possibly find a, a, another space. Yeah. And we'll just see what's out there. Yeah. I wasn't even sure what was feasible, but I was like, let's just put it out into uh -huh. the universe and shared my hopes and dreams with a few key people in the community who kept their eyes out for me. Uh-huh. And uh kind of how that happened when you are looking for a space did you were you just looking for a work like basically a workspace? i was just looking for a workspace i okay. wasn't even really thinking about a retail space okay i was like that would be super cool down the line maybe like three years from now uh -huh. but mainly i just need a place of my own that it can be on google maps that people can start uh -huh. to find me and you know, eventually we'll we'll take it from there. I was starting to envision like a party star store and balloons. Like as I started to grow the business and think about the plans for it, um, that definitely had become part of my overall goal and strategy for the business. Okay. But I did not think that was something that was a reasonable goal within. So what switched the first that? year? The, finding the space. The space dictated making that happen. Okay, so because what Because about... I came across the space I'm in now, and it was so affordable. Mm -hmm. And the location was fantastic, being yeah. downtown and, you know, in my own hometown and yeah. place that I love and right there on Main Street. Yeah. And if I'm going to have this space... You know, I, I want a place that's welcoming for people to come in to pick up their grab-and-go options, you know, the, the the smaller creations. So I definitely wanted to brighten up the space. Okay. And so I was like, well, it, it became kind of like a, if you give the mouse a cookie. I was like, well, if I'm already updating uh. the space <laughs> to look nice, 
what if I had a few things for them uh-huh. to purchase? And what if this? And what if we did that? And <laughs> and it's also, honestly, because it probably was not, it may have still been too soon for me to start that, that retail end. But another driving force for making that decision was, I'm not going to be another, I don't want to be another vacant storefront on mm-hmm. Main Street. Okay. It's like, if I'm going to be on Main Street, it's because I want to be a part of the community. If I'm going to be part of the community, I've got mm. to do my job to try to be a good business and presence. Okay. So that was another motivation for getting that started. Okay. Okay. So, and and when you're... Okay, so you, you start piecing this thing together that ends up as you're selling all the things that you wanted to sell. Mm -hmm. How did you determine what was going to be in there? Um, How were you finding vendors? Like how, how did you shape your store? And I'm still figuring that out because some of the stuff that I thought was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense is like not moving at all. We live and we learn. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But for me, it felt like, well, a natural progression. If people are buying their balloons, they probably want to buy their other party supplies too mm-hmm. so like okay naturally i can get that and that was really that piece i did reach out to another business similar to how i envisioned mm-hmm. my company going i actually did reach out to her and asked if i was like i'm not going to ask to pick your brain because so many people do that and time is money and expertise is money i'm willing to pay you like can we discuss a consultation fee where uh-huh. i can just like talk to you for three out two three hours and just ask you all my questions and you just tell me your price and we ended up doing that and it was fantastic for so many different reasons but she gave me a lot of great advice on to where to source um the party supplies and, uh-huh. and, and other things okay so and then for the gifts aspect that goes back again to my goals for being a part of the Washington community. I wanted, you know, if I want people to support local for me, I want to do the same. So that was working with other vendors that I knew either through the farmer's market or Ignite or other businesses I had been buying from personally for a long time and asking them if they wanted to sell um, at commission um, in my store. Okay. And did you like, okay, so they're selling on commission did you, was there any, how did you determine that that was going to be the the avenue versus buying and then you? Part what? of that came from my own bottom line and cash flow. Okay. Buying wholesale means a lot up front. Mm-hmm. Part of it also was, uh, it gives us a better way of figuring out what what's selling, what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and buying wholesale for a number of the other vendors they said, well, my, you know, my profit margin is already so small mm-hmm. that if I gave you the discount you would need for wholesale, yeah, I wouldn't be making much. So commission, while I don't get as much from it, helps on the cash flow end gotcha. while helping them on the profit side. Gotcha. So it was just, it was a, some negotiation, not even negotiation because that sounds too formal. It really was just like. Sending texts back and forth to these yeah. people like, what works for you? Let's just figure this out. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, okay. So you've got, you've got your space, you're starting to, to shape the, the products there. Um, okay. So how has the retail side been? And is there like, do you anticipate shifting to more of the, like, how, how does that, how do you think that is going to play out or how are you hoping that it plays out or what's the thought here? I think what I did not anticipate is that, and this is a good thing, but in having a more established presence downtown, not only with more visibility, but being more connected and the sense of legitimacy it gives my business, Mm -hmm. um, that has really increased the balloon business side of it. Yet again, I'm seeing another boom in that. And that's where I've got to spend my time my time, mm-hmm. which means that I don't have the time I thought I would have to maintain standard business hours because mm. a lot of that increased business is now from companies. So that's not yeah. a weekend install. That's a, a Wednesday yeah. delivery for their conference. So trying to find standard business hours that work. And unfortunately, what works for me may not work for the shopper because mm-hmm. I can't keep a lot of regular evening hours. Yeah. Well, and plus there's not a lot of foot traffic in the evenings yeah. on Main Street. So that is another, hmm. I'm allowing myself to say, okay, we're not going to have it figured out and we're going to have to be flexible and allow ourselves, allow myself to be flexible as we see what's coming this way. Mm-hmm. So I think the big thing it is brought to light is that it is time to grow a team. That's exciting. Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> or exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. It's also terrifying. And uh, just, again, like I said before, like the sense of now you're responsible for these people. Uh-huh. Um, I don't take that lightly. So yeah. it is. Um, something that I don't want to jump into too hastily, but I need it personally now. Yeah. Um, if anything, even again, someone who can maintain those store hours and yeah. they could be blowing things up while I'm on deliveries, yeah. well, that sort of thing. Especially when you're not, when you don't have consistent hours, it leads to less tra- like it's less trust. If like, they don't know when you're going to be open. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's, it's difficult to have, or to push the retail side and to get the sales that you probably mm-hmm. could do if you're not consistent with it. Because, sure, I need this thing, but how do I? Right. Maybe she's open this week, maybe not. Uh, let me check. And then it's like, you're going to be able to find it. Right. But it's an extra step or or several steps to figure out, can I go shopping today mm-hmm. for this thing that I need now? Where it's maybe easier for me to just say, oh, okay, well, I can just blop get it on yeah. amazon or some something exactly like that. Like, exactly okay. that convenience is, is no longer there and that's the biggest driver so yeah yes um are, have you are there any other like okay so growing the team is one solution there have you explored any other um any other solutions to at least the retail side like are there any other ways that you have have thought about solving that uh definitely i think more um We've had the most success in the shop, most sales when it's uh, event driven. I've hosted a couple of small vendor 
markets uh-huh. in there. Just had a couple of other vendors there uh-huh. that worked out well. Whenever we have the community events like the the breakfast crawls, those have been fantastic for us. So, you know, looking at uh, a model where I'm having classes and workshops and events. So even if I can't, you know, I have limited daytime store hours, I can still have the specialty yeah. evening hours to get people in yeah. and bring in revenue. And then also um, I'm developing uh, more bundles, you know, like themed packages. Uh-huh. So, you know, here's your your unicorn themed party. You get all the party wear for it and the balloon garland and the specialty healing bundle. Uh-huh. Set price, you're done. Okay. You schedule your pickup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense because that's – those are um, – the events are good. Obviously, that's going to – everyone sees more traffic during those, so that's good. Right, yeah. Um, and having – like hosting your own things, that's good too. still takes your time, though. still takes my time. And so that would be another mm-hmm. – a position that I would be working with. So I've I, um, been talking, quite honestly, an internship position of someone who can develop mm. those those events at w like a wjc yeah. to help with that yeah would be possible but yeah that is something again would still take my time so i don't have uh, a set answer yet i'm yeah. still trying well, to see like what's i wonder work. if there's a because i before you had um you were splitting the space yes um and i wonder if there's a a way to do i've seen um there was this concept in it's more than a concept. I mean, it's a mm. real thing. It that I saw in Cincinnati where it's this almost like a co-op type of thing where it's this yes. shared shared space, but um and in in that case, everyone was kind of responsible for their own mm-hmm. area. But I wonder if there's a way to kind of have it as a, hey, there's like two or three of us in here and we all are selling like the figuring out how that would all work there's definitely some challenges there but that something like that could work where you know you've got three vendors in there and there's a place in chicago i don't know if this is their model now but when they were starting out it's very similar it's called the festive collective and it was um stationary designer a photographer someone who designs her own clothing Mm -hmm. um and a balloon artist, and they all shared a retail space. Where and like in the back half was their workspace. So yeah. yes, something like that could be interesting. Yeah, finding the right partners there, like that. Everyone kind of it kind of has to be similar products or or mm-hmm. whatever. But um, yeah, that might be something that could work. Again, finding mm-hmm. the right people and the and being able to cover um, rent and and all of the like right. challenges there for sure. But um, that could be a less, maybe not less risky, but l- less of a time burden on you. Mm-hmm. Um, that could kind of help solve or drive more of the traffic, and that would probably be good for everybody, right? Yeah, hours are more consistent, and everyone can split these hours or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell that works, but an option, yeah, right, something to think about. <laughs> um, okay, so so retail space, um. Has there been anything that came up with opening or having your own retail space that has been a complete shocker to you that has, or, or like difficulty that has come along with that? 
Not a difficulty, actually. One one surprising benefit to it that I really hadn't considered is the number of people who now prefer to set up an appointment to talk to me when they're ordering their balloons. Okay. Um, before, it's like all email. I send them mock-ups. Mm-hmm. I send them pictures of the balloons. But like... It is such a visual thing, and yeah. people are so uncertain about what they want sometimes that I have more and more people setting up appointment times there in the shop to just, like, blow up and play with balloons and uh-huh. see what works and what colors, combinations they like. Um, that kind of makes – kind of like uh, – the first thing that comes to mind is, like, a carpet store. <laughs> exactly. Like you can I got my swatches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got my little – I do. I have yeah. books of swatches. Uh-huh. Like, I come and pick them out if I don't have it in stock. You know, it's like, oh, well, I've got this this catalog here. Uh-huh. Let's look and see what I can order for you. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And and I've more and more of that lately. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that maybe it, it takes a little bit more time because you have to be there, but – you're saving a lot more of the back and forth time of like, oh, does right. this work? Because you're looking well, at something on a screen. Well, usually I'm able and... to set those up when I'm already in the shop working. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm still yeah. Yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I'm still – I'm in the shop so many times. It's just – or like for so many hours. It, they're just not consistent hours right now because it is so much – so very much dictated by what jobs yeah. I have and my customers' needs for that when, week. When you're working there, like creating, mm-hmm. are you also opening or does it kind of depend on the day? Or? It kind of depends on the day. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. How how much in advance do you know like what your hours are going to be for the week? I have started doing um, on Mondays, I, okay. although I didn't do it this week. Oops. <laughs> Posting something on social media saying okay. here's the hours for the week. And it's typically some variation on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mm-hmm. um, like 12 or 11 to 5 okay. typically. And then Saturday is the most flex, and that really just depends on how busy I am Okay, that day. Has um, – okay, so you started all of this, like this path down having your own thing mm-hmm. to create more time with – family <laughs> right <laughs> how, how has that like and you even said like this strive for balance is never going to happen but no. you're working towards it how right. has that been especially now that you've opened a, a, your own store right well now at least one of them is in school and the other one's going to start school so that is part of it yeah. like they're at school and so i have a little more time yeah but i've also now created a business and a job where kids are more welcomed. Okay. My d- oldest, Abby, loves coming to the shop. Okay. She comes and she, like, prices things for <laughs> me, re- like, sets up the display. She helps me blow things up. There have been a number of times where I've, you know, as, as long as it's not like a, you know, a big corporate event mm-hmm. or, or something where, you know, you've got to yeah. draw the line more. Typically, on a you know you know a baby shower sort of situation, if I give them the heads and say, "Hey, I'm gonna have my daughter with me," uh-huh. just so you know. But then I also make a point to say, "Also, she's my hardest worker because she really is. She loves what I do. She's fascinated by it, and not just like the pretty balloon stuff. She wants to know about the business end. That's so which cool. is so crazy. She's almost seven. And she does, she asks me about, you know, like, 
she's asked, like, what's your plan to hire people? What are they going to do? <laughs> Mommy, you use the car a lot. Are you ever going to get a van for that? And <laughs> That's she, wild. She was talking to me about impulse buys the other day. She's like, Mommy, I think you need to put these over by the register because that's something people are going to be waiting for you to tell them how much things are and they're going to look over to there and go oh I need that kind of like what I do with candy when you go grocery shopping mom I'm like what what you're seven what I am so impressed by her huh so and I think that's that's my I think what it comes down to that's so cool is my view of balance and how I define balance uh-huh. has changed. Okay. It's no longer work versus family. Mm-hmm. It's more of how are they compatible and how do they work together? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes... Okay, so... Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, That's cool. That is so... That is so wild. Isn't she crazy? That is so I crazy. I love it. <laughs> That's so crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so I got to make sure this business succeeds because she already wants to take it over. Yeah. At seven. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. So has there been, um, so that's cool. That's pretty cool. Has anything else come up that has been a, um, something you either didn't see or just a, particularly difficult challenge to work through in the balloon side um like in either in comparison or just something new that yeah just something new that's come up that is particularly difficult that you're working through right i mean we've talked about the challenges of just being a, a one person team yeah the demands and prioritizing um with the balloon industry itself I mean, that industry alone poses its own mm-hmm. unique challenges. I mean, it, there are so many people doing it as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many. Uh, so just charging what you're worth is harder when you've got mm, yeah. people with very little overhead and also very little knowledge. Yeah. And again, aren't really serious about running a business. Yeah. You know, they, maybe they shouldn't be, but they don't think twice about charging rock bottom rates. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got to explain to someone while I'm why I'm charging, you know, $20 per foot of organic balloons for just balloons, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you, how, do, like, how do you deal? Because that's I feel like that's the same in a lot of those. Maybe I'll I'll call it like the creative industry. Mm-hmm. Yours is a little different because it's also it's not a it is a ser- it's it's a service it? and a product. Exactly. It's this weird amalgamation of both. Um, so you definitely have costs associated with mm-hmm. it. But then you have to explain to people you're not just paying for my costs. Mm-hmm. You're paying for my talent. You're paying for my vision. You're paying for my expertise. Yeah. You know. And sure, maybe I didn't pay for a certificate or go to training, but I have poured my heart and soul Mm -hmm. and time and energy into perfecting this in a way that you're not going to be able to achieve with buying an Amazon kit and doing it on your own. Yeah. Well, and the difference, like 
I, I know you run into the same thing. Like I'll use drones for an example mm-hmm. where it's like you've got people that are licensed. You've got people that aren't and are just doing it as this side thing that's like if I can make a couple bucks, that's cool. Right. And it's difficult to if, – if the consumer isn't aware of the differences, it's I'm just going to go with what's cheaper. Right. So education there is – it can be difficult too because mm-hmm. you also – how much time are you going to spend educating? And if you're educating, like, is it even worth doing for somebody who wants the cheaper options? Like, there's a lot of those challenges. Um, well, and it's someone who has always struggled with self-doubt mm-hmm. and imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Being able to work on building that backbone and be able to stand by, this is what I'm worth. And not budge on that uh-huh. is an exercise, but it's necessary. How do you go, like, how do you do that? How, like, how have you gotten I think better for at me, that? it's more of my own internal uh, working on myself. Okay. Well, just <laughs> okay. mental health awareness month, uh-huh. you know, it's just, it's, it's going to therapy. It's working on yourself. Yeah. It's, it's taking care of yourself and knowing that you are valuable. Okay. Uh, but also it's knowing the industry mm-hmm. and knowing what the top people are charging and knowing what the bottom is charging and deciding where you want to position yourself and yeah. knowing what your costs are and looking at those finances. Yeah. I think when you can back it up with numbers and some proof, yeah. it definitely helps. Yeah. That's the thing that has like, for me, it helps if I almost, I like remove myself from it and it's mm-hmm. just like, here's how this works right. and these are the numbers and I'm not making a decision, but this is mm-hmm. like, here's the numbers based on this. I actually have no say, so I don't need to feel like I'm not worth it anymore because right. I'm not the one making the decision. This weird it's, spreadsheet is. It's also uh, being willing to kill the people pleaser part of you. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you're crap with customer service. In fact, quite the opposite. Yeah. Like if these are your customers, you're going to go to the end of the earth for them. But it's also the people who say it's just balloons and that don't see the value in it. They're not your customers. They're not my people. Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy working for them. They're not going to enjoy working for me. So it's best for everyone if we just say, bye. Yeah. 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 Bye. How, how did you, um, obviously you said like working on your, yourself helped you through that. Mm -hmm. Did, how did you get to that? Okay. So actually, were you doing all of those things prior to this? Like prior to Cheerful Balloon and... The working on myself? Yeah. <laughs> and if not, what led you to taking that more seriously? I love that question because it's something I just realized recently. No, I okay. was not taking care of myself. I was just uh, pushing through it, uh-huh. dealing with it the best I can, saying, oh, well, I'll just toughen up and... Uh-huh. You know, ignore the fact that I struggle with depression and anxiety and HDHD. It's all in my head. I've I've made it this long, thirty uh-huh. some years yeah, without I'm medication or therapy. Yeah. I'm good. No. When I realized how important it was for me suddenly to build a business, 
Okay. When I realized that that was a priority, not just for me, but to set an example for my girls to create some sort of legacy, to create business where I would be hiring and responsible for a team, I realized that the only thing that was going to keep that from happening was me. Okay. And if I wasn't serious about taking on that responsibility, it was time to just step away. And when I realized I was responsible for it, I created a checklist of things that I just needed to be more honest with myself about what I was capable of, what was holding me back, where can I improve. And one of the biggest things was just my own mental and physical well-being. Like that there's a capacity there yeah. and I needed to make sure I was taking care of myself so that I could grow a business. So when you're, when you're making this list as if, if you're, if you're dealing with the imposter syndrome and all those things, I imagine that list included a lot oh, of shit. Oh, it was unreasonable. That, yeah. How, <laughs> like. Well, it all goes back to, hey, that's a long list. And if I had to be honest and maybe look at it through a different lens, if it was someone else who wrote that list, what would I say to them? And quite honestly, it was like, girl, you need to go to therapy. Okay. <laughs> it's You need an impartial third person uh -huh. to tell you that all this shit that you have here that says that you're not good enough really isn't the truth. Okay. And okay, so... And give you ways for coping with it. It's yeah. also about ha having those healthy coping mechanisms. But like I, growing this business became a third child. And, you know, I have two who are my actual children. So yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't. And I was. I was draining myself. Yeah. Everyone was suffering. And it's like I'm, I, I make it sound like I'm doing this for the business. But no, I, I'm doing this so that I can see after my family and have, have yeah. this. It's, it's for, it's for them in a lot of ways. So you said that happened kind of like, it, it just happened, like that kind of happened out of nowhere. Was there a trigger or a like catalyst to that? Like to you making that realization or was, was it just like, oh, I actually, it like, it finally clicked that you were trying to create this thing for the future. Well, once part of it also was once I had the space, the retail space, it was visible to everyone. I couldn't hide. Okay. Okay. That you, makes a lot of sense. You can't hide anymore. Yeah. Uh, so part of it was definitely the peer pressure of realizing, like, I can't disappear into the night and act like I never wanted uh -huh. this. I can't. Huh. <laughs> this sounds so doom and gloom, but I can't hide my failures now. Yeah. And they're going to happen, and everyone's going to know, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Peer pressure can be an interesting right, motivator. Right, but it definitely, I've, I felt added pressure in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. It's like, okay, well, it's time to really be serious about this. And if I say I'm going to do it, I need to follow through. It was holding myself accountable. Yeah. I put myself in a position where I had... To hold myself well, accountable because the rest of the community was now going to hold me accountable. Yeah. That's interesting. So what's kind of strange, not strange about that, but just something about that is that even that, though, is still a like this. I don't know if it's the people pleaser or that like trying to fit in thing, but it is that like 
But that's a good, like, it can be a good motivator. It's also a component of ADHD is like you can't, it's so hard to find the internal motivation uh-huh. that sometimes the only trick, the only hack yeah. is to create uh-huh. an external motivation. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I feel that. So I definitely, I did that. I was finding that I was like, this was a way to make sure I held myself accountable and I yeah. couldn't just say, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the thing, it's like kind of whatever forces you to get there, whether it's the best way or not, it's like, it, it doesn't matter if it's the best way. It's like, it doesn't. Who's saying it's the best yeah, way? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it just is a way that yeah. you can trick trick yourself into doing better right. for everyone that that is important to you. I'm finding that so, like, all so many experts, you know, with running a small business and what to do, like, I'm a mother of two kids. I'm a woman. I struggle with mental health and ADHD. And I'm looking and comparing myself to what the best way is. And the best way was established by typically men with no kids who don't struggle with mental health. So, like, who are you comparing yourself to? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the comparison, that's another whole thing. Well, yeah. That just leads you down all the other. I mean, I find my it's, I find myself in that in that realm all the time, oh goodness, especially yes. with all the creative things. It's like mm-hmm. it is so easy to find people that are absolutely incredible at things, and then it's like, yeah, but they've been doing it for so like why? I I shouldn't be comparing to that. Like, right. I just started this mm-hmm. thing, and it's like, oh, well, I'm not as good as that, so this sucks. It's like, well, well, and then when you're still learning too, that's uh-huh. something that I had to really be honest about too. When I was starting to learn how to create all of this stuff, you can be inspired by someone's work, yeah, but don't go create recreating it. Yeah. and you know, you fall into those pit, you know, those those traps sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at the point where I see. I've had to call out other people on Instagram saying, hey, you shared a picture that is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, Pass it off as your work. That is different than inspiration. Yes. Yeah. That's no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. That is a little different than inspiration. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that now that, that has become more important, has has the business side, like the mental health side of it, now that that has is being taken more seriously mm-hmm. has the business side become more not easy but like have the stresses of that changed or is it easier or like how how is that affecting yeah the way that you're running the business it has opened up the opportunity to look at the business with a fresh light and really say What's working for me? What needs to change? What do I need to thrive? Part of that answer is extra help. Part of that, I mean, I, I one of the first things I did when I started asking myself that was um, contract a, a virtual assistant who just helps me with things like answering emails, which can be really hard for me when I'm in like a depressive slump. Mm-hmm. That's usually the first thing to go is communication. So she's there as my fail safe when those times hit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's things like that, you know, maybe someone else would have, you know, made their first hire someone else. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, what I knew I needed in order to 
keep going with the with this was you know the extra help with the administrative end yeah okay yeah that um mm-hmm. and then it was quite honestly it was the the i2e you know that was something i that program is something i constantly kept putting off because i thought uh-huh. i wasn't ready for it <laughs> The imposter sy- syndrome kicked in, and for uh-huh. some reason, I thought I was not worthy of that program. <laughs> and I did it because I thought, well, I owe it to myself to do this and to be also just to be able to admit that there was a lot that I did not know and was doing wrong, and uh-huh. to just be fully kind of like brutally honest with myself of what my shortcomings were and Uh how to go about that. And that program helped a lot with that realization. Yeah. Cause a lot of that stuff, it's easy. I mean, it's with the business side, it's with everything. It's Mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's so easy to just kind of stick your head in the sand. It's like, Oh, if I don't look at it, it's, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have, it doesn't exist. If I don't look at it, it's like, you know, there's problems. Yes. You got to deal with them. Right. Like you can't just keep burying your head. Because they're out there. Like, mm-hmm. they just keep growing. <laughs> the bri- If you don't focus on them now, they're going to be way worse right. in the future. Um, and in the business case, it's like if you decide to to ignore all of these things and keep ignoring them, in two years, and five years, whenever you have to look at them, mm-hmm. those problems are going to be massive. And it's the framework of the business. So it's like if, if that isn't set up solidly, if – if you've been ignoring it for eight years or four years or two years, recovering from that is going to be yeah. significant. Mm-hmm. That is going to be way more uncomfortable than dealing with it now. Right. Um, but it is easy to just stick your head in the sand and just say, oh, I'm good. <laughs> it's good. I, I'm not worried about it. And, mm-hmm. and it's whatever. But um, Well, and it's another example of me uh, putting myself in a position where, you know, it, it created more uh, – more of a pressure to hold myself accountable because that program, mm-hmm. again, like you had homework, you had yeah. to be there every week, you had homework, yeah. you had to do this, you had to deliver. So it was just another external motivation to actually get the shit done. Did you did you ever notice that before? Like that that you not require, but that that outside accountability helped you? I mean, it's probably why I was such a good student. <laughs> okay. Because tests and deadlines and yeah. due dates were my thing. But mm-hmm. if everything's like, oh, willy vanilly, do it on your time. And it's the internal motivation that always kind of okay. <laughs> lacked. Okay. Did <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I did that. And then I worked nine to five jobs where I was given tasks. Yeah. And then to then become a self-starter. Not only in, like, there's being a self-starter in a job and then being a self-starter in a whole business where the world is your oyster and uh-huh. anything could be. And you just have to make the damn decision. And that's that that paralysis uh-huh. is so real. Huh. And that, okay. Yeah, that all makes so much sense. <laughs> I feel all of that so much. And it's odd how... I, I keep reading these statistics about, you know, such a large percentage of small business owners and entrepreneurs struggle with ADHD or, or with, with mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's this really cruel double-edged sword about certain aspects of that make the self-starting and wanting to create something. So, like, 
true and important to who we are, but then also is the reason that it's holding us back from mm-hmm. doing more with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Do we've covered a lot. <laughs> we took a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's just all good. That's all good. Um, no, that's all. I think that's all helpful. Um, Okay, so that has helped you a ton in the, I mean, I'm sure, obviously in the business side, but also outside of business. Yeah, you know. It's going to be super helpful. So extra self-awareness is never going to hurt someone. (laughs) No, no, not generally. Yeah. Um, As long as it's like real, not the. There's self-awareness and self-consciousness. They're two different things. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Okay. Is there anything else? important that we haven't covered oh golly that you think you want to cover or that you think is important i feel like we've covered a lot of the super important we stuff we've been going for an hour thing. and 40 minutes so yeah, yeah. i um, think the ability to pivot yeah the importance of community yeah um okay is there okay i'm sure there's going to be stuff that comes up and i'm sure in uh in a year, we'll, we can do this again and be we'll fun. see where you're at um, <laughs> and what else has come up. But until then, where can the humans of Earth find yes. all of your things? Um, and there, is there any anything else we need to know um, before we go? Uh, so my website is thecheerfulballoon.com. I'm located at 50 North Main Street in Washington. And on Facebook and social media, you can find me at the Cheerful Balloon Co., because everything else was taken. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Slow to the punch. <laughs> yeah. Um, those will all be linked below. Um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. If you have any guests or any topics that you would like to see covered, um, reach out. My information is down below. Um, if you got anything from this, if you have a friend that could learn anything from this, share it with them, leave a review, comment, do all those things are super helpful. Um, thank you for coming on. This was fun. Um, this was, I feel like we've been trying to do this for a while and finally, finally, uh, (laughs) we got it done. Um, so thank you. Um, have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're consuming this. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners.